Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, Joshua chapter one, and man, we're going to jump into it. If I could give you a title for today, it would simply be, Be Strong and Courageous. Be Strong and Courageous, because that is the great example, and that is the great idea that God gives Joshua as he gets ready to finally see what God had promised to the nation of Israel for hundreds of years. He's going to need to be strong and courageous. And I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> we're going to be a little strong and courageous ourselves as we jump into this. Because There's a lot in this book. There's a lot of good stuff. There's also some, some issues that we have to deal with. And I know a lot of Christians who actually stay away from this book because of some of these unresolved difficulties they have. And my hope is, is we can really find, you know, maybe some some common ground on. So I'm really excited to get into this book. This is the payoff. If you've been with me and we've been reading all the way back from the beginning, we've been slowly getting to this place. And so this is what we've been trying to get to the moment when the promise is fulfilled. So I'm going to jump in as always at the very beginning, going to give you some background and man, we're just going to jump right into God's word. This is going to be absolutely awesome. So first of all, let's talk about what we're doing right here. This is a book called Joshua. It's titled after the main person in this narrative, which is Joshua. He is the second in command of Moses. At the end of Deuteronomy, Moses, he's he's gone. He dies. He has left the authority and the, the responsibility of bringing these people into the promised land into, or he's given it to Joshua. And now this is the story of Joshua taking the nation of Israel, crossing over the Jordan River, and taking back the kingdom are taking back the promised land that will eventually become Israel, the kingdom. And so it's, it's a really, really good thing. This was written, oh, about 1400 BC, or the events happened in about 1400 BC, so about 1400 years before the birth of Christ. Also, the narrative of this takes about 25 to 30 years. So we're going to cover that in these chapters. It's going to begin with them crossing over the Jordan, and then you know, word is going to go out that the nation of Israel is there. And I think it's important that the nation of Israel moves slowly because they're giving the opportunity for all these nations to get out of the way if they want to or know that trouble's coming, right? So they're, they're giving them the opportunity. They take over these belligerent nations, and then they divide up the land. And so at 25 to 30 years is what this takes. Joshua is about 80 years old, so he is not a young man at all when he gets started with this journey. But he's going to go through this whole process, and it's going to be really, really cool. And a couple of interesting things about this is, number one, is it does take 30 years, but at the same time, there's a lot of different things that's happening in this process. And so I want you to notice when the whole chapter will be about a particular battle that happens, and then some of it will be just during some of the processes of figuring out what land goes to which person. The other thing that's interesting is... Uh, Joshua in Hebrew is Yahshua, which is very close to the name of Jesus in Hebrew, which is Yahshua. And so a lot of people say that in the time of Jesus, that Yahshua and Yahshua were very close together, even to the point 
that it was almost like if you ever have one of those names that they're both very, very similar, like Brandon and Brandon. And so I, my name is Brandon. And so if someone says Brandon, I just turn my head anyway. And so it's just an interesting idea that if someone were to call for someone named Yahshua, Jesus might have turned his head, you know. And Yahshua, Joshua means Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God. Yahweh saves. So God had raised up this man to be a symbol of salvation to the nation of Israel. It was primarily written to the nation of Israel so that they would have the chronicle of the events that happened, and so they would know how all this goes. And I love this idea. I was looking for a theme verse because, you know, what we've been doing in our journeys together is we kind of have that theme verse that we go with every single time when we kind of walk through this thing together. And I was looking for a theme verse for this entire book. And to be honest with you, there are so many good ones that I really settled on two. <laughs> one of them is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 that says, Be strong and courageous, for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. I think that's a really good one. But I think there's one that is a really good bookend because that's in chapter one where God is telling him, before you go, be strong and courageous. And we'll get to that in just a moment, why that is so very amazing. But I love the, one of the last verses, Joshua chapter 21. And this is going to be our theme verse throughout the entire book. It says this, not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. And I love that idea of all that we're going to see, there's a lot of work that the nation of Israel has to do. They've got a lot of battles they're going to have to fight, a lot of ground they're going to have to cover, a lot of things they're going to have to do. But they call all of this God's fulfilled promises. And what I think we're going to notice, and I think this is such an important book for us to learn in today's culture, is because many times we think the promises of God are almost like, if you ever played the movie, or the movie, the, the board game Monopoly, when you're going through there, you can get a card called a get-out-of-jail-free card. And what that card is for is that if you ever roll dice and you roll on the, the dice, the number that makes you have to go to jail, you just put down that get-out-of-jail-free card and you don't have to go to jail. <laughs> it, is, it is amazing how it works like that. A lot of people think that the promises of God are like a get-out-of-jail-free card. We simply just lay down a scripture and God does the rest. We don't have to do anything, just sit back, enjoy, and watch God do all the hard work. Only to realize that Joshua says at the end of his life that what we just went through was all of God's good, goods, <laughs> all of God's good promises. Try to say that three times fast, and not one of them has failed. Well, you would look and go, well, Joshua, yeah, but that's a lot of work. You did a lot of a lot of stuff during that time. And I think Joshua would say, Well, yeah, what did you think God's promises are? God's promises are open doors with God's help. I, I think that was a great lesson for all of us. God's promises are open doors with God's help. And I think that's a wonderful way for us to look at what God's promises are. God promises to keep us in perfect peace if we'll keep our minds on him. God says he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. But before that, he says, I want you to fall in love with me. I want you to dig your you're into my word. I want you to build your life on me, and then I will do those things. And so I think a really good way of looking at God's promises are God's open doors with God's help that he wants to partner with us. And so as we get ready to move into this, I want to cover two more things. We're going to jump, jump in. But I think the overall theme, that's the first thing, is I always say it's God is faithful to fulfill his promises, 
and he partners with us to make it happen. I'm going to say that again. God is faithful to fulfill his promises and he partners with us to make it happen because we're going to see God's going to give them the strength, but he also requires action of them, which leads to the hard part. This is the part that I was really, I think it's important, but I've, I've not looked forward to saying this part because this is the part we're going to have to go ahead and grapple with now before we jump into this. There are parts of Joshua that are hard to read because there's parts where God tells Joshua, I want you to go in and I want you to decimate, annihilate, slaughter this nation. I want you to kill everybody, men, women, children, leave nothing alive. That's hard. That's hard if you think of that through 21st century eyes and not understanding the context. So I want to give you a couple of reasons to kind of grapple with this. Because when you first hear that God said, annihilate everything, that's hard. So I want to give you a couple of things to think about as we run through this idea you know, idea, and then go through this. Here, here's the first thing to realize. Let me, let me just say this, and this is the harshest point, <laughs> and it gets better from that. When you realize God tells them to annihilate a nation, here's the first thing, and that is God is God. That means God can do what he wants. That's, this is the harshest one, and that is this. Every life begins and ends at his good pleasure. So whenever a life ends, that's because God willed it to be so. So therefore, him telling them to take a life and someone dying of natural causes, the end result is he still causes it. And when you think about the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and all of us deserve judgment— it's kind of a miracle that any of us are alive even anyway, right? So the bottom line is, I mean, the, the, the harshest one, but the truest one is God can do whatever he wants to do. So the fact that any of us are even alive to begin with is a miracle. Now, that's the harshest response to that. Here's the second one, and that is this. God is giving judgment for 400 years. It even says in other places, I'm not going to let the nation of Israel, or I didn't let them take over before this because the iniquity of the inhabitants of the land had not yet risen to the level where they needed just judgment. So for 400 years, the people who had moved in and occupied the land, these people were pagan worshipers. One of the chief gods that they worshipped was a god named Molech. And the chief way you worship the god Molech is the, the idol had a hole in the bottom of it that looked like an oven. And the way you would worship the god Molech is you would take your children put them into that oven, close it, and burn them alive. It is even said by Plutarch, one of the uh, ancient writers, that they would bang the drums loudly so that the parents would not hear their children scream in the fire. That's horrible. How many of those babies needed to die before you would say justice needs to happen, right? And that's one of the things that bothers me about atheists is on one end they say, well, if God's good, why does he let evil happen? On another end, in this situation, when he goes to do something about that evil, we get mad at him, right? So for 400 years, that kind of stuff is happening, and it is time now for justice. And God is saying, it's time for justice. Well, what about the women? Well, just because they're women doesn't mean that they're not complicit in this. They're also there as well. What about the children? Well, if you look at this, if you think about it, they go straight to heaven when they die. And so this is a mercy because they don't have to be subject to possibly be uh, sacrificed or grow up to be in that society. I'm not saying these are easy answers. I'm just saying they're possible answers. Here's another one. Because of the situation that kind of is going on, you also have to realize that a lot of the Old Testament language is hyperbolic. 
Because notice at one point, it, you'll say, we'll see this, it'll say, go and slaughter this nation. And then a couple chapters later, it is, when you do trade with them. <laughs> like, wait a minute. How are you doing trade with them if you slaughter them? Well, it's just like now today, if we have two football teams that are playing and you say, man, that team, they just slaughtered that other team. Does that mean that it got really, really violent? <laughs> you know, No, it means that one team completely decimate, completely beat the other team, leaving no doubt as to now who is better, right? Well, a lot of scholars now think that because of the different language, that's probably what was happening, is the language was saying, I want you to completely put them down, put them under control so that they will no longer worship their gods, but they'll follow yours. There's the other one. And then here's the last one. And that is this. The last one is this, is this was not a kill all order for all the nations. These are for the people, the belligerent nations that weren't willing to leave. So the call is put out that the nation of Israel is coming. So if you don't want to suffer the consequences, please leave. These are the nations that said, we will not leave. We will stay here. Whatever happens, happens. And to be sure, if they had of one, that's what they would have done to Israel. So I know that's a long thing, but this is always going through this. And I think it's important because I know a lot of people who they've even struggled with their relationship with God over this topic. So I think it's important for us that we don't hide from this. We talk about this to say, yes, it's difficult when you see that God uses God's people to enact justice in this situation, but to also realize that this is a very particular situation. And I hope that brings some kind of clarity. Okay, man, the Bible is, is a good book and it's amazing and it's full of adventures. And some of those adventures are hard. <laughs> so let's jump into this. If you have your NLT Bible with you, New Living Translation, you got your cup of coffee ready. Let's dive into Joshua chapter one and start this adventure right. So here we go. Verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev in the wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River to the east of the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I love this verse. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it and day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now notice, he tells him to do three things, strong, courageous, and constantly look at God's word. Notice he says, if you are strong, courageous, and look at God's word, he said, you'll be successful in all the things I'm about to tell you to do. I got a whole lot of promises that I want to come to pass. It's going to happen if you do what I say. What's the difference between strong and courageous? Think about it. Strong is the ability to do something 
Courageous is the willingness to do it. So what God is telling Joshua is I need you to be willing to do what I want you to do. I got a bunch of promises that it's time to be fulfilled. I need you to be able and I need you to be willing. Already, what a great lesson for all of us. God has so many promises for us that he wants to do, but we have to be able and willing to take part of them. How? By studying the word of God, by getting it down in our heart and to not let discouragement to take on. I think that's amazing. I think it's awesome. All right, let's finish this up together. Verse 10, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go to the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River, take possession of the land for the Lord your God is giving it to you. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and told them, Remember when Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you? He said, The Lord your God is giving you a place to rest. He is giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned you. Now, don't forget what happened was, is they said, we're out. <laughs> they did not want to wait anymore to cross the Jordan River. And so they're like, we're going to settle right here. Mama and them done found a plot. We got this. Well, it almost caused a civil war because Moses was like, no, no, we're we going over there. So finally he had to take it before the Lord. And the Lord said, fine, I'll let him do it. But this is not this is not unless they're willing to come help the rest of their, you know, their family take the land. And so he's saying, remember, we made a deal. Now, their answer is, we will do whatever you command us and we will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Everyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. So <laughs> even in one chapter, Joshua is told three times, we got this, but we need you, sir, to be strong and courageous. In other words, we need you to have the ability to do us right and then the willingness to do what's right. And I think that's great for us as we finish our time together. I wonder in your life, have you been hoping for God to do some things? Maybe you've had some promises from God's word. God said, I will supply all your, all your needs according to my riches and glory. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How about this one? God has not given you more than you can bear. But in, in, but in every temptation, a way of escape. All these different promises. You've been holding on to one of these promises. I wonder if God's word for you would be, I need you to be strong and courageous. I need you to be willing to take the next step. And I need you to take the next step. Because what Joshua's uh, book is going to teach us is that God's promises are not a get out of jail free card. Well, we just sit and wait. The promises of God are God's open doors with God's help. Because God wants to partner with us as we do it. And as we end, this is God's word for you. And that is at the end of Joshua's life. He says this in Joshua 21, 45. And this is going to be us. Not one of God's good promises, which the Lord had made to the house of Israel, failed. 
all came to pass. My prayer for you over the course of this time is that you will see God's promises, his good promises come to pass in your life. Let me pray for us today. God, thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy. Thank you how you are with us in all things. God, as we get ready to get into the book of Joshua, it's going to be full of highs and lows, good days, bad days, times where we're going to sit and go, God, I trust you, even though I don't understand, and times when we celebrate the victories. I pray, Lord, that we'll see that that's our life, and through the good and through the bad, we'll always trust you, and we'll realize all your promises are yes and amen, in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to give you a few moments to kind of reflect on some of the things we've talked about today, and I will see you tomorrow for Joshua chapter 2.